On the morning of January 15, 1947, Betty Bersinger was walking her daughter through the quiet neighborhood of Limard Park in Los Angeles when she noticed a peculiar sight. At first, Betty thought she was looking at a discarded mannequin laying on the grass, but at closer glance, she realized she was looking at something much more sinister, the mutilated body of a young woman. Upon her terrifying realization, she ran into the house of a neighbor and phoned the police about what she'd seen. The police showed up a few minutes later at the scene of the crime. The body would later be identified to be 22-year-old Elizabeth Short, whose death would kickstart a long and sprawling investigation that to this day remains one of the most famous unsolved cases in history. Will we ever know who killed the Black Dahlia? Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back. This is not another true crime podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. And we're your uh, co-hosts, co-pilots, your group of uh, partners in wine, crime and time, basically. You know, that's just what we're going with. I like that we call ourselves partners in the crime, but like we're just telling you guys about the crime. Yeah, don't. um, I mean, I don't we don't want to get messed in. Like, don't call us as like a witness or for an alibi. That's too much paperwork, too much to deal with. But best of luck on your journey if that's something that's happening to you. But you know what? If you're producing a Netflix documentary and you need like expert, not witnesses, commentators to weigh in, then that's what we're here for. I think we have a lot to offer. Endless amount of things to offer to a Netflix, to Discovery Plus. There's so many pluses out here. Right. But they're both they're minus not another true crime podcast. So there are they really pluses? We'll say. Not really. Not really. And if you guys can't get enough of our content, Danny and I did a very fun little um, episode of the Am I the Asshole podcast together. There was a lot of true crime, asshole crossover. It was really fun. It was juicy. It got, it was like, it was a fun time. I I loved seeing you in your other life. Thank you. I know like my other Danny, I have like two alter egos, sort of. (laughs) 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 Love it. Well, let's get into today's crime. It's a really infamous one. I feel like it's come very requested. Very DM'd. Yes, very DM'd. I feel like it is a, I don't want to say classic, definitely a vintage cut. Yes, an an original, kind of one of the biggest first cases that got like the the international attention, like worldwide coverage type of thing that we see more commonly now, but it happened back in the day. Yes, back in the day, aka 1947, the Black Dahlia murder. And I have to say that I feel like if I was murdered and they gave me a weird name, like it, it's weird that because usually the, the killer gets a moniker, but this one they gave to the victim, which I feel like is a little bizarre. I, I know. And I don't know, but it wasn't until I started looking more into uh, these older cases for the podcast that I started to realize, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, who named these people? And I was like, oh, the press did. It's such a weird thing that I'm like, oh, this is a name that was like more so just to like sell newspapers than anything else. And oh, yeah. it feels very, it's weird with that. Super weird, super weird. So the Black Dahlia, a.k.a. Elizabeth Short, she was born July 29th, 1924 in Hyde Park, Massachusetts to Cleo Short and Phoebe Short. Uh, She was estranged from her father. She also went by Betty, apparently. Uh, Does Taylor Swift know anything? Is this what Betty's Uh, about? Right. Maybe that's really the key. Um, She was an expiring actress, although she didn't really have any acting credits. But like, that's relatable. I was gonna say, I feel like that's any actress I know. Oh, truly, like, it's a hard, it's a hard industry. Like people, like you got to work to get that. You got to work, and I feel like she was really bouncing around a lot before her death. Like it's it, trying to nail down an accurate picture of like what her life was like is honestly a little bit like sketchy um, because she was really all over the place. So two weeks before she was killed, she wrote a letter to her mom that she was working in a naval hospital in San Diego. Her mom said she also worked at a waitress, um, but she kind of moved around between San Diego and Hollywood. And her last known residence was actually in Santa Barbara. I love Santa Barbara. Yeah. She also previously worked at an army base as a civilian clerk. Um, And I feel like she had some kind of like army interests there. Like she told a bunch of people who later told the LAPD that she was engaged to an army flyer from Texas named George. But I don't 
nobody really found that to be true. Yeah, there was not a lot of additional info on that because I just kept on like searching like Army George and then it was just people Army in the Army George. Name George came oh, up. no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, she while she was in Santa Barbara, she ended up getting arrested for underage drinking because she was drinking with some army guys. And like when the police came, she claimed one of them was her husband. And this like wasn't true. And apparently the police put her on a train back to her parents house, like in Massachusetts and she did make it back, but then she just ended up back in California. Like my thing with this, I'm like, why is this the story of like seventh heaven? Because that's what happened on there when Jessica Biel <laughs> drank a beer. She got sent to Buffalo to like live with her like grandma. I was like, is that what policing was in the 30s? Like you have to go back home. Like now. probably. <laughs> so one of her old roommates said that. Elizabeth was very popular with the men. I mean, every news report mentioned how gorgeous she was. Every news report. Every single one. Um, she she apparently went on a lot of dates. Um, others described her as a girl who liked to see and be seen at all the Hollywood hotspots. But that said, she was supposedly struggling to make ends meet during her time in Hollywood. She was frequently behind on rent, struggling to like eat. And I feel like this kind of will tie into all the like bouncing around and, and the people she may have associated with. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like, I mean, any person, like I feel there are some stereotypes of the whole like starving artist idea, but it is like a thing of like people like doing a lot of odd jobs to try to make it to like the main job they want to get stuff like that. Yeah. In a city, LA hotspot area. Yeah. Before we get into this part, just want to warn you guys, this is a super graphic. Um, it's really not for the faint of heart. Feel free to skip ahead. A few minutes if if you are like squeamish and honestly this is definitely making me a little oh, queasy yeah it was one of the ones that i was texting sarah i was like oh this one is it, it, it hits in the stomach a little bit yeah so if you just want to yeah. skip to the game at the end and just leave us a five-star review in the meantime <laughs> right. so, yes yeah. just a, go pass go we collect the five stars that's how i like to, <laughs> to, to operate <clears throat> that there's going to be a new monopoly game called podcasting and i hope you know <laughs> I'm mad we didn't invent it. Right. So uh, into, of course, the topic of this episode. On January 15th in 1947, around 10 a.m., her body was found by a woman who we uh, talked about at the beginning, uh, Betty Bersinger. Short's body was found in a vacant lot only a few feet from the sidewalk. And it's interesting, and we'll immediately get into the why, uh, but Betty initially thought that the body was like a broken mannequin because of how clean it looked. Like truly did not look like a murdered body that would be on the ground type of clean. When discovered and looked at, her body was mutilated, uh, severed at the waist, and uh, her mouth was uh, slit three inches on both sides while she was still alive. So kind of like the, the only way to say it, it's kind of like the Joker mouth, but... Yeah. Slip through. This is basically like a Criminal Minds episode, but real. So it's horrifying. Horrifying. Her uterus was removed, which is just an terrifying, insane thing, which makes me also have theories on stuff down the line we'll get into. Uh, yeah. So I, this is like interesting because, okay, if you go on literally the FBI's website, they have like these case files that they just put up there. So that was what I was doing this week. That was super fun. Um and there's all these newspaper clippings from like the 40s and I guess maybe the early 50s. And each it's kind of like playing. I don't know. It's almost like doing a puzzle because each one has a different detail of like how gruesome this was. And it's just like trying to string together the most horrible puzzle ever. It's basically the puzzle is just who will vomit first. It's kind of yeah. Sarah was just seeing like, will I see my lunch again? Yeah. Well, good thing I haven't eaten lunch yet. <clears throat> Oh my God, you have... Okay, we'll get into that. That's a different crime in my mind. <laughs> Lunch is noon or nothing. Yeah. Uh, on top of this, some small pieces of her skin were missing, like a rose tattoo that she had on her left leg. And like, it was shoved in her vagina. Crazy, crazy, gross stuff. And then if this just continues, guys. So buckle up or skip ahead. None of her internal organs were cut except to sever the intestines. It was like, and also clearly done. It was like very clearly done. It looked like, felt like a professional was doing all yes. of this work on her. Yeah, it wasn't that's like, like a big part of the theories. Yeah. Uh, one of her breasts was also removed. 
And because of all of this, uh, some believe that the killer had some level of medical training or at least training with uh, dissecting or something in that uh, area because of how like they were do- they weren't like having any like slippery missteps or anything like that. Like it was seems like it was almost like a mortician or something like that doing this. Uh, her body was scrubbed. Like we said, that's why Betty thought uh, it was a mannequin that she first stumbled on. And it like, they said it was supposedly scrubbed with a brush. So like truly hand cleaned by. Yeah. That had to do with like the mannequin thing. Yeah. The autopsy later ended up revealing that the cause of death was a hemorrhage and shock, but her murder was like, we just talked about. So brutal. And she was also tortured before she was like, before she ended up dying. Because that's because they were able to show that all a lot of the stuff happened before uh, death. Uh, she suffered a concussion caused by blows to the head. Uh, deep abrasions were found on her forehead, which is what they suggested was the bludgeoning. She was <clears throat> tied with rope or a wire or something to restrict her prior to her death. Marks were found all around her wrist, thighs, necks, leg, everything. And this is why the police also thought that she was definitely bound and tortured before she was ultimately killed. It's believed that she was killed and then transported to the lot where Betty found her. Uh, A car was also seen around the time she was found at the lot. And this is where the name come from. The media started immediately calling her Black Dahlia because that's what a pharmacist in Long Beach said that they called her there because she liked to wear black. I saw somewhere that they like she liked to wear like kind of like lacy black type of thing. Right. Very New York vibes, by the way. Very, very New York. And also weird that a Betty found her and she also went by Betty growing up. Weird. Very weird. Regardless. Uh, But also a crime film called The Blue Dahlia, came out the year before, so it was fresh on people's minds. She also was last seen alive on January 9th when she was dropped off at the Biltmore Hotel by a male friend. So she was probably... She was missing for days before she was ultimately found, and she was probably kidnapped and tortured and then ultimately killed. So then this is where like the media shit show explosion, a mess because and I feel like this shit only happens in like the 40s to 60s because like who the fuck is writing letters uh, to the who paper has the time anymore? to like tape all the different things from like us weekly red book to make a little Ramson letter all different and stuff like that. And like dousing it in gasoline. No, right. No, I just do that in Photoshop now on the Instagram <laughs> at NATC pod. <laughs> <laughs> literally just download like magazine fonts or whatever um okay but so people started writing in to the newspapers and also i want to say that this was like covering this case was a huge seller for like the la times examiner like all these papers um i also want to say that the papers like had some some role in like helping her get identified so she was actually able to be identified by fingerprints because of her arrest for the underage drinking and because she worked at mm-hmm. that army base. Um, so I, I remember reading about something like how they were able to like help fax it over and like to the FBI and they were able to identify her. So then in late January, the editor of the LA examiner, James H Richardson got a strange phone call from a man congratulating him on his coverage of the crime. And he said, I'll send you some of the things she had with her when she shall we say disappeared. Oh, ominous, ominous. So then a few days later, a letter arrived at the L.A. Examiner. The envelope had cut out letters and the phrase heaven is here. It also contained Elizabeth's personal documents, including her birth certificate, social security card and an address book with the name Mick or Mark Hansen on the front. He's going to come back later. So just keep that in mind. So he was a nightclub owner. Um, Short had lived with his home on several lived in his home on several occasions, but like he's kind of his own sketchy character. So we're going to come back to him. So a few days after this letter, another one was received by the examiner saying, here it is turning it in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police black Dahlia Avenger. A lot of letters, a lot of just like correspondences going on. A lot of 
letters. The police waited, but the killer never showed up. Then they received another one saying, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. So then because these were so highly publicized, there were naturally a bunch of copycat letters. Uh, One to the Los Angeles Herald Express, again, written in like the magazine newspaper cutouts. It said, I will give up in Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. There was also a pile of clothing found by the ocean in Venice with a note that said, to whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. They never figured out who wrote this apparent suicide note and who the clothes belonged to or or what the deal was. Like, or if um, it was just a hoax or a prank. <laughs> yeah, just bizarre note so at this point the lapd decided to offer a ten thousand dollar reward for any information on the killer in today's money that would be over a hundred grand so pretty nice reward okay but then predictably this led to a ton of people coming forward with fake information and like just most of it was totally useless and it also led people to just walk into lapd stations and declare that they had killed elizabeth and (laughs) Like multiple people did this. Yeah, I just don't get why. Like, I don't. I want to know what goes through someone's mind that does that. Like, right? It's like confession. you're not going to get the money if you confess to the crime. Like, you know that, right? <laughs> right. You know, you will just get investigated and interrogated, and then they'll throw you out or arrest you for corrupting justice. Right. It's like that's you don't get the money. So, at the end of all of that, police ended up with 150 suspects and over 500 confessions. Right. Excellent. More confessions than Usher. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, the plan kind of backfired. And some of the confessions were like totally bogus and some of them were harder to disprove. So it kind of just brought the whole investigation to a halt. Um, And actually, the only arrests ever made in this case were for obstruction of justice by false confessions. So there we go. (laughs) Good job, people of L.A. (laughs) So basically, like now the question is, who the fuck did this? Who the fuck actually did it? Not the 500 fake people. I think this is maybe the biggest unsolved case in like LA history. Maybe Zodiac? LA history. I'd also go, it's kind of like creeps up in like American history too. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Oh, totally. If you Google like unsolved mysteries, this is always at the top. Always the first one. And along with it being unsolved, that doesn't mean that there was never anyone at top of mind or potentially for it. There are a few suspects and a few more prime high up suspects that people really the police and the public really did think did it. So like we said, over the years, there've been literally dozens of these suspects for the crime, which we could spend hours talking about, but for this podcast podcast, I guess. I love that. We're British now. I went to, yeah, I'm like, we have David Tennant doing this. Uh, (laughs) We're going to focus on a few of the more notable ones and the ones that most caught our attention. And also the ones when you look up this case, you can't avoid these names. So first off, we have George Hill Hodel. Uh, shout out to that last name. I just kind of enjoy that. But <laughs> he is actually, well, here's the thing. There is a Steve Hodel who is a retired LAPD detective and he suspected his father of the crime. And on top of that, his father was a doctor. So there's that level with all the like medical professional type things that the people think uh, the killer had in their mind. Steve described his father as a grandose, what's it? Grandose? Grandose. Delusions of grandeur. Thing like that. You got it. I just know it's like from Wicked. She always sung about delusions of grandeur. Uh, But besides that, uh, so a doctor with a distant personality who does kind of just sound like doctors, uh, no shade. My brother is one and they just are very, they just love themselves and are distant. Maybe that's just a him thing. Uh, but they abandoned his family after Steve's ninth birthday to move to the Philippines. George was a ladies man and he had 11 children with five different women. And he not only yeah. was a ladies man, he was a highly intelligent ladies man uh, and studied surgery, of course, in medical school, which leads us all to, or just just a fact that he would have been very capable of dissecting a body with surgical precision because the (laughs) boy was a surgeon. Oh man. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> this is a really fun side tangent. <laughs> Sarah wants Sarah's including that. This is actually um, courtesy of Jorge. Ooh, okay. Jorge with the, with the tidbits. We'll post this, these photos to the Facebook group. We need to remember to do this. Uh, that his house does look exactly like a supervillain layer, and it really does. It does. Like, just, I don't know, Google it somehow. But I'd love to be in the pool. Uh, oh, yeah. It's modeled after a Mayan temple. So the house is, this is where he's losing me, because the house is full of hidden secret doors and passageways. Who would you hide in from? Yeah. What? In Los Angeles? Like, why? Yeah. Or is this the house in the Philippines? Oh, maybe Unclear. I'm sure he's not bi coastal, whatever it is when you have to. <laughs> this was in LA. That house is in LA. Yeah, yeah. what what do you, why do you need hidden passageways in LA? Yeah. Okay. And he was good friends with famous surrealists, actors, and directors like Man Ray, George Houston, and George Miller. And apparently they had some crazy parties in there inspired by Marquis de Sade. There was a room in the house that the kids were not allowed to go into ever. Okay, that's sketch. I'm sold. I'm sold. Also, the Man Ray guy is going to come back. He was like this surrealist photographer. Oh, love. Yes. Uh, my thing with that uh, house, like a room where like kids aren't allowed to go into, it could be very, very sketchy and weird. Could just be a really nice wine cellar. That's true. Or it could just be like exceedingly boring, like an office. That's true. And it just has like, like doctor stuff that he doesn't want them to say. But who knows? Yeah. Years later... His son, Steve, found photos of a woman he thought was short, the victim, in his dad's possession. His dad died in 1999, did not live to see Y2K. Uh, at the, <laughs> it was a monumental moment for all of us in Y2K. Uh, at the time, experts said that the photos were not the Black Dahlia, but in 2014, biometrics expert Dr. Robert Fischels used modern facial recognition to test the image and found it to be a 90-95% match. I guess I'm like, why do we need that? Can't we just look at the image? <laughs> and also my thing is, I'm like, I'm sure a biometrics person would, not, like, it's much more intense than this, but all I'm imagining is, like, that, like, filter thing when, like, you put your face on and it matches you to an old photo. I was going to say, just upload it to Facebook and see if it tries to tag Elizabeth, and, and then, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, Zuck, Zuck, like, tap in. <laughs> Um, Steve also thought that the letter sent to the press and police resembled his dad's handwriting. Okay, LAPD detective, where was this then? You know what I mean? I mean, he was a child. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're off the hook. This all led Steve to believe that his dad used his medical expertise to dis dismember Short and other victims before moving to Asia in the 50s. A search of his property in 2012 found soil with samples of human remains oh no uh, there was no connection to any specific dna sample but that doesn't doesn't scream innocence and more so screams what else is here you know what i mean it, it, yeah it screams like bring the cadaver dogs or put this through some bigger database or something yeah it's more it's more so like okay so there's something that went down here yeah the yeah. lapd did investigate his house at the time of short's murder he was one of the uh, prime suspects, along with five others <laughs> on the list. We'll jump Love into that. Love that, our role. Uh, I know. I'm like, I should have taken Spanish. I'm so good at that. But alas, I took Japanese and French. <laughs> the police even bugged his phone and captured some very chilling sound bites. One was, quote unquote, realized there was nothing I could do. Put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket. Get a taxi, expired 1259. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Uh-oh. The second one. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Okie doke. Robert Durst vibes. Come on. I'm like, there's a difference between chilling sound bites and incriminating sound bites. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this sounds incriminating. Yeah. So the year before that recording in May 1945, shout out to Tauruses everywhere, myself included, <laughs> Spalding, the secretary at Hodel's clinic, was found dead of an overdose. Police suspected that it was a forced overdose, but they couldn't prove it. So Oy. ultimately, her death was ruled a suicide. And guess who was a patient? At that clinic, Elizabeth Short. Boom. I'm pretty convinced. 
But there's one other one that is very convincing to me, too. So I'm not sure. It's the hard thing. It kind of reminds me of um, why am I blanking on his name? The Mad Men one with the plane, D.B. Cooper. Because yes. we talked about, I was convinced it was all of them. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, it's Barb. No, it's McCoy or whatever that guy. Right. Name. Yeah. So why why would he do it? Why did he do it? I don't know, but it could have to do with Man Ray, a surrealist photographer whom Hodel was friends with. Uh, the Guardian, a uh, uh, newspaper I do like, says two of Ray's photographer bear a chilling resemblance to Short's mutilated body. Adds up to interpretation. It's yeah, sort of- it was literally just like a photograph. It, like, I don't know. It wasn't mutilated or dismembered. It would be like a body that like you couldn't see the arms like i was just like i'm not sold on this like i don't think there's a resemblance and also i'm like that's like i mean i did take art history i'm like it's dada it's surrealism it's like everything's just like glue but ever that's like finding someone in a picasso painting you know what i mean it's a little yeah i thought yeah. the i thought the connection was uh what's the word weak yeah <laughs> um yeah uh so people were kind of thinking like george maybe wanted to impress his friends and bring the surrealist art to the realist, aka life, which uh, not totally. Uh, in 2001, after reviewing Steve's finding, the then LA ADA, Stephen K, there's something there, right. wrote uh, Steve a letter that if George were still alive, he'd file two murder charges against him. Mm. Steve also thinks his father was responsible for dozens of other murders across California. I mean, that I can see human remains in the ground like it's sort of just we're connecting the yeah steve right and the the sketchy overdose yeah but then uh steve started saying his dad was also (laughs) the zodiac zodiac killer and that's where he kind of started to uh, lose the table at the bar around him everyone's kind of like okay steve yeah like his his first book on the black dahlia was like pretty acclaimed and a lot of people took it really seriously but then once he kind of started trying to pin the zodiac killings on his dad people were like all right buddy sure thing it's hard to do the follow-up sometimes it's really hard to like sophomore slump baby yeah sophomore slump or comeback of the year are we going i mean full follow-up boy episode after this if only it would do a crime that we could talk about <laughs> uh, but the lapd has kind of ignored him and outlets like the la times think he offered uh just nothing more than circumstantial evidence i disagree with you la times but So that's one big possibility. Another possibility is a man named Leslie Dillon and et et al. Et al. Et et al. And his, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Posse. Let's let's go with that. Cohort. So Dillon was a former hotel clerk who was around 27 when Short was murdered. He'd been a mortician's assistant before working as a bellhop. And the bellhop thing is relevant. So LAPD sort of got wind of him when he contacted a police psychiatrist to help him with a book on sadism, telling Dr. J. Paul DeRiver that he was interested in sadism and sexual vagaries. Mm, Okay, that's a big word, which I feel has a lot of connotation with it. Right. And so then Dylan ended up telling DeRiver that he knew a man who was a good suspect in the Dahlia case. So then he wrote a letter to the LAPD psychiatrist under the pseudonym Jack Sand saying that an acquaintance of his named Jeff Connors killed Short as revenge after she threatened to reveal, quote, an affair not considered proper by the average person. Um, Mm. We'll get into this in a second, but it was like a hotel robbing scam. The police actually thought that Dylan was the killer and he sort of had dissociative identity disorder and that Connors was like an alter ego of his. But Connors actually was real. So they bring him in and Dylan ends up knowing details about the murder that police had withheld from the public, like the fact that she was killed in a motel room. So then this is where it gets like very fucking bizarre. But here we go. So the doctor basically lured him from Florida, where he was living at the time, out to L.A. And then members of the department's gangster squad, who was like the squad that was assigned to like solve this case, um, basically tried to detain him at the Strand Hotel in order to try to get a confession. And they didn't like book him immediately. So they held him at this hotel, which is illegal. Definitely (laughs) maybe illegal. Illegal. So then, okay, Dylan slipped a note saying, help me out the window, pleading for a lawyer to come help him. Apparently, 
A delivery man for the Los Angeles Herald Express found the note. It's made its way to the editor who called police headquarters and Dylan got out. And then they did end up finding Jeff Connors, who offered conflicting statements about his connection to short. So he also got released. Um, Dylan ended up suing the city and there was a grand jury investigation in 1949. They didn't end up indicting a suspect, but basically all those leads were like dead for nothing. So, okay, one of the gangster squad members, which is like honestly a very cool name for a group. It's but like, shouldn't that be like the organized crime unit? Like call up Stabler. That is true. I will. Like, I feel like this one could have been that this rolls off the tongue more than that. It does. It does. So basically one of uh, the like former LAP members sons thinks that these guys killed short when she found out about this hotel robbery scam that they were involved in. So the scam was that they would get one of their guys to get a job as a bellhop in a hotel, find out where the safe was, quit the job, then rob the hotel later. I was confused by this because I'm like, why would they just not? Oh, I guess because then you would get caught. Because I was going to say, why wouldn't you just steal the money when you were the bellhop and quit and never come back? I guess that wouldn't work out. Right. I mean, this seems like a pretty easy way to connect the dots. It seems like one way or the other, they're going to find you immediately. But I don't, I don't know. I didn't run I like this how camp. You almost just started singing one way or another. I'm <laughs> find you. Oh, yes, Very always. Katie Heron. There we go. So also, Dylan reportedly stayed at. The motel where Short could have been killed called the Astor Motel. And here's the craziest part. The owners of this motel recall, apparently, that one of their cabins was covered in blood and fecal matter on, you guessed it, January 15th, 1947. Like, I'm sorry, you didn't think to bring that to the police? I mean, I guess they did, but like... But not immediately. That's like the Cessa Hotel girl being like, wait, there's not murders in every hotel? Oh my God, (laughs) right? like, well... (laughs) So, okay, more on this Hanson guy. So Hanson had a connection to the Astor Motel. Um, and as you recall, he was like the club owner whose name was on the address book that was sent to the LA Examiner. Okay. As we said before, Short lived in Hanson's home a few times the year before her murder. Like, as we said, she was kind of bouncing around, like staying in various places, just, just you know, moving around. She ended up calling Hanson on January 8th, which makes him one of the last people known to have spoken to her. Mm-hmm. But he had conflicting reports of what that conversation was about. Now, witnesses were called seeing a woman who fit Elizabeth's description, as well as a man who fit Hanson's description at the motel. So according to the DA's files, Hanson tried to seduce Short, but failed. And they sort of use that as like a possible motive of why he would have killed her. Um, and like we said, also like knowing about this robbery. Um, Hanson also may have had police connections from like the elaborate parties he was known for throwing. Mm. And one investigator, Con Keller, believes that his police friends helped him cover up the crime and kind of made sure that he was never really charged for this. They, they have a way of doing that. <laughs> yeah, people have a way of doing that. And also two years after Elizabeth's murder, a dancer from his nightclub named Gene Spangler, who was said to look like Elizabeth, went missing. This was in the fall of 1949. So that's that's a... A weird overlap, like a coincidence of like a routine suspect that fits the part that he would attack. Yeah. So so that's that's him. That That is one one possible guy. It's interesting to... Well, I was going to say this is a, like a side note thing on researching it. My and we could probably we could save this for later. Even I was laughing so much that the police also were like, kept on being like, maybe she's a lesbian. They said Just, that. Do you not read it? Because it was this whole thing. We because it was interesting. Because I made me think about um, her not accepting Mark's advances. She apparently maybe had something like uh, she didn't was known not to sleep around a lot, just to kind of like flirt and then bounce. My favorite mo. Oh yeah. And then the police were literally like. She's not sleeping with these guys. I guess she's gay. And they're like, maybe she just doesn't want to sleep. Maybe she just has self-respect. Yeah. Because there was also a whole thing where they were trying to, like, prove that she was a sex worker. And, like, that that really also wasn't the case. Yeah, they kept on trying to, like, uh, bring that on her. And I think also, I mean, it was only in, like, a few of the articles I saw, not a ton, that she had, um, uh, like, a vaginal disorder where she had a more tighter vagina than usual, too. So they were like... 
maybe she only sleeps with women then too. And I'm like, that's not what that means. No. So a whole. That just means you need to do better foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark. Um, so now we're getting into another uh, well-known suspect in this case. Patrick S. O'Reilly. Not loving how Irish he sounds. I don't like that on our own. <laughs> don't trust uh, it. <laughs> don't trust it for a second. Another doctor, Patrick uh, O'Reilly. He was a medical doctor who knew short through Mr. Hansen. According to LADA files, uh, O'Reilly, quote unquote, attended sex parties at Malibu with Hansen. And O'Reilly actually had a history of sexually motivated violent crimes. So this is not something that would be extremely foreign to him to be associated with, guilty of, or suspected of. He was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon for taking his secretary to a motel and sadistically beating her almost to death, apparently for no other reasons than to satisfy his sexual desires without intercourse. That's terrifying. Good. Yeah, like God. Also, O'Reilly's right pectoral had been surgically removed which was also seen in short's body hmm. weird kind of like weird connection overlap there he had been married to an lapd's captain's daughter uh-oh and with that sentence the second sentence might not be that big a shot to anybody no charges were ever charged against him Mm-hmm. Just a little slap on the wrist at Christmas dinner, I'm sure. Interesting. Interesting. And next up, rounding up, rounding out this list, we have a man by the name of Walter Bailey. He was a surgeon whose ex-wife lived one block south of where Short's body was found. And apparently his daughter was friends with Elizabeth's sister. So there we go. There, there's, he, so there's a there's a there's a knownness there. Yes, a knownness. He apparently had left his wife about a year before the murder, and after he died, his mistress was the main beneficiary of his will. And his wife alleged it was because the mistress knew a terrible secret about him. I wonder if it could be a murder. Do 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 do. Interesting. And at the time of the murder, Bailey was sixty-seven years old, and investigators believe that maybe the body was cut in half because he couldn't have carried it in one piece. Hmm. Um, also, when he died, his autopsy revealed he had a degenerative brain, dis- brain disease, which was known to cause violent behavior. Do you think it was CTA? I guess that's not a degenerative brain disease. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just top of my head because I watched a show, not uh, Aaron Hernandez, but another show that talked about CTE. So it's really fresh in the mind. Oh, wow. Come in full circle. Full circle. Full circle for no reason. (laughs) But then it's like, yeah. But then in terms of motive. So a weird fact that was discovered about Short is that she would tell men that she had a son who died tragically. And actually, Bailey had a son who died tragically when he was hit by a car. So maybe this was just like triggering to him. Also, his son, his son's uh, birthday was January 13th. So since Short was found on the 15th, retired FBI profile John E. Douglas of Mindhunter fame, I'm pretty sure, said <laughs> that a possible motive for the murder was like Bailey got like really pissed off by Short making up that story while he actually went through that. I can and say, killed like- her and like... um cut her body in half so that it could be transported more easily. Mm-hmm. I don't say, know. Profiling must be like a very interesting job to do. And I feel like we'd be good at it. Oh, it feels like you're talking shit with like some science. It's and also it's like, yeah, you, everyone just has to nod with it to be like, they look kind of frumpy probably because of this. And everyone's be like, okay, thanks. Like, yeah, sh- I love it. Sure. <laughs> should, should we jump into some other suspects or no? We don't, there's not enough time for that, guys. I mean, but there are a lot more. Maybe there will be a part two of this episode if you guys are super into it and want to know more. But the long story is those are the main ones. Still no arrest. No one was really known. No, there's still no unknown. I feel like everyone's dead. So they like, what are they going to do? I know. There was also like a possible connection to this like lipstick murder in L.A., which like someone, a, a victim was like, beaten covered in bruises and like fuck you bd was written on her torso with lipstick wait but did you see is that not black dahlia 
Yeah, because that was the thing, too. When they were re-looking at it, though, it kind of also looked like, fuck you, PD, which would have been police department. So idiots. A lot of give and take. Idiots. But I, I kind of if I had to like place my energy on one person, I would think it would could be George Hodel. I'm thinking either George or this like whole Mark, Leslie Dillon, Jeff Connors faction. Mm. There could be like an, it could be like the story behind this tragedy is that there was such this undercover, horrible tragedy thing like that, that probably was happening so much there that it just like, it could have been just like a lot of things happening. And this was just one unfortunate murder of it type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that George killed somebody slash multiple people, even if Elizabeth Short wasn't one of them. Oh, death. And that is is without question. He's guilty of something. Yeah. I don't know what. We'll have the Long Island Medium come on to try to get him to chat to us about it. Just kidding. I do not want his energy anywhere near me. Point, point, point. That's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just really sketchy. I also can't imagine just going through your parents' stuff and finding out they're probably a murderer, like a serial killer. Oh, you're just like, huh? Okay. You, You expect to see like prom pictures and you're seeing like, oh, okay, decapitation. Got it. Right. Right. What a crime, guys. Whew. That's that's a gruesome one, if I've ever seen one. Like, really gruesome. I didn't know that it was quite that graphic I of know, a murder. Right? Huh. People are all sick for requesting this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sick for doing it, so we're all in good company. Right? So today, we're going to play a game that takes a little bit from the medical side of this story since the crime suspect is presumably someone who had a lot of medical knowledge. We're playing a game called a cut above the rest. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you need to be the one who like names serial killers in the media. (laughs) It was so much fun naming these games. It usually is the part that takes me the longest in preparing these games to be perfect. <laughs> <transparent>. <laughs> Pouring through 160 pages of FBI documents. Nah, coming up with a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> and to be to be completely transparent, this um, title actually came courtesy of my loving girlfriend, Marina. She helped Aww. me with this one. So. Shout out. Shout out. So this game is going to be testing your knowledge of anatomy and the human body and different oh. sorts of medical Let's conditions. Go. So I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm like, name my primary care physician. I'm like, urgent care? No. This is <laughs> yeah, be- what's his address? I have to look it up every, every year. All right. So first up, we have, what is the largest muscle in the body? Is it A, the brachialis? B, the sartorius, or C, the gluteus maximus? The brachy thing. <laughs> I'm going C. All right, Sarah, you are correct. You're first on Ooh. the board. Ooh. So the brachialis is actually an, a muscle that is in your arm. It's the main, the mover of elbow flexion. So it's like underneath your bicep. That's called the brachialis. Oh. Is that why brackets are called brackets? I think you're I think you're onto something here, Danny. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> the sartorius, which is the one that you chose, Danny, is a muscle. It's a thin, long, superficial muscle in the anterior compartment of the thigh. So your inner thigh. And it's actually the longest muscle, but not the biggest. Ooh. The oh. biggest is the gluteus maximus, which is the main extensor muscle of the hip. It is the largest muscle of the body, as I've said. And Isn't it's it just thick- your butt? It is your butt. It's thick, fleshy mass in a quadrilateral shape forms the prominence of the buttocks. There we go. Damn. Well, shout out to butts everywhere for really carrying the body. Yeah. Shout out to butts. (laughs) Unsung heroes of the human body. Truly. The only reason I know that is because I do these like workout classes with my friend Kelsey and she's always like, your butt is your biggest muscle. (laughs) Like if it's not working for you, it's working against you. Oh, shit. So that's how I knew that. I didn't know butts could work against you. This is a learning a lot here. This is the bonus. This is the bonus round. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next up. What is bromodosis? Oh, God. 
Sounds like guys going to Murray Hill for brunch. (laughs) (laughs) Is it A, food poisoning? B, caffeine high? C, stinky feet? Or D, protein deficiency? Or E, bros going to brunch? (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely E. (laughs) Hmm. Can you do them again, the choices? Yes. So the choices are food poisoning, caffeine high, stinky feet, or protein deficiency. Stinky feet. Hmm. I guess I'll just go with the first one. Danny is right. No. Equalizing the score, it is stinky feet. <laughs> I never knew there's an actual medical term for it. And me neither. Me but a lot of bros that go to Murray Hill for brunch should get tested for Bromo. There we go. <laughs> so apparently what causes stinky feet is actually uh, bacteria in your shoes or your skin that break down the sweat being produced by your foot. And then that produces an odor. Interesting. So the most optimal way of dealing with bromidosis is actually to have a dry environment. So open-toed shoes, clean socks, not wearing your shoes all day can help you if you are suffering from bromidosis. So, ah, well, there you go. go. Crocs out, guys. <laughs> Crocs out. Sun's <laughs> out. Crocs out. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Next up. Which organ deals with the destruction of worn out blood corpuscles? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Manufactures lymphocytes and holds a reserve supply of blood. Is it the liver, the gallbladder, or the spleen? Oh my God, what does your gallbladder do? (laughs) Oh, I kind of want to go with spleen because it seems important. It is the spleen, Sarah. You're on it. You're back in the lead. So uh, I actually didn't know what any of these organs. No, but I was (laughs) like, I know your liver filters out alcohol. Didn't we evolve past the need for a gallbladder, but like it's still just chilling there? That's what I thought happened. I think that's actually the spleen is what you're thinking of. (laughs) I thought the spleen was important because if it like, no, I think you're thinking of the appendix. Maybe it's the appendix. Oh, I did read that it is possible to live without a spleen because basically the spleen is responsible for like making new blood or or making red blood cells. Damn. Um, The liver actually does a ton of things. Apparently has like over 300 functions. So it helps with digestion. It synthesizes proteins. It it detoxifies a a bunch of things in your body. And the gallbladder stores bile. It's part of the like... um, uh, digestive system. So it's like between your stomach and your intestines, it goes to the gallbladder and does some have has a party in there. Okay. All right. So yeah, Sarah, back in the lead. Two All right. One. You know, Miss Frizzle over here. All right. Next up, we have what fraction of the human body is made up of blood? So how much blood is in your body? Basically, is it one one hundredth of your body? Is it one fiftieth, one thirteenth, or one third? Kind of want to go with one thirteenth. I was going to say that too. I'm going to go with that as well. You're both right. It is one thirteenth of your body, which is about a gallon of blood. So we all have a gallon of blood in our bodies. Why do I feel like that's not enough? (laughs) Yeah, it's not that much. I want more. No, wait. No, no. <laughs> more blood. So another fun fun trivia. Do you guys know how long it takes for blood to travel from your heart all the way back to the heart, like to do a full loop around your body? No idea. Um, uh, um, three days. It's about 20 seconds, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, blood is just like speeding through your arteries. Damn. It's, it's Damn. Very quick. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to blood. All right. So the score is three to two. So very, very close game. Next up, we have catecholamines. R. Catecholamines. Are they medications that inhibit allergies? Are they hormones secreted by the inner adrenal glands? 
Are they minerals, salts present in the blood plasma, or are they scar tissues? Ooh. I'm going scar tissue because cat is in it and cat scratch. Interesting. Scientific approach over there. It's all etymology. Wait, what were the other ones again? Okay, sorry. So first one is medications that inhibit allergies. Okay. B are hormones secreted by the inner adrenal glands. Hmm. C is mineral salts present in the blood plasma or scar tissues. Guess I'll go with mineral salts. You're unfortunately both incorrect. They are hormones ah. secreted by the inner adrenal glands. There we go. Ah. So these are hormones that are actually secreted when a person is under physical or emotional stress. So I imagine a lot of our victims that so we us. covered. I was going to say us. <laughs> or us covering <laughs> this crime <laughs> of a lot of this. So this includes dopamine, norepinephrine, or epinephrine. So norepinephrine. norepinephrine. I remember that from yeah. my science yeah. class. Oh my god! Oh, I thought you just said norepinephrine. I was like, I mean, I <laughs> yes, love her, her. movies. <laughs> so uh, doctors can actually do a test for this, and a high number of catecholamines in your system can either mean that you're under higher than normal levels of stress, or they could also mean that you have a tumor. So, well, talk about being more fucking stressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like with the great. Yeah. <laughs> so after five questions sarah you are the winner three to Ooh. two i think our closest game yet it was tight it, that was a good was one tight it was a good one you are a cut above the rest sarah oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'll take that my honorary medical degree there we go Thank you, Jorge. This was a this was a good one. I feel like I learned some things. I learned some things, but also realized that there's a lot more I need to learn. <laughs> that too. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. It's so, so hot and fun for the summer. Just five little stars. It's shining <laughs> bright like a diamond. And um, let us know if you do, or just let us know anything you want about your life or crime or anything like that in the Facebook group, not another true crime group. It makes me so happy when people add in like the, why are you joining? Cause you guys don't shut up about it. And <laughs> legit. <so> we- <laughs> <laughs> yes. And please also follow us on Instagram at NATC pod. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's Sarah Lameem. And I'm at Kashmir Danny, Kashmir with a K. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back in your ear next week talking about crimes, maybe drinking wine. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.